Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church, located in Newberry, Florida, where Rocky McKinley is our lead pastor. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. And what a perfect song that the praise team led us in just a few moments ago. It's kind of a theme song for this month. And so all month long, I'm going to be preaching on, on that topic inside out. And so we're going to kick off this series today to lead us into our serve day. And so to begin this series, I, I need us to take a hard look at our lives and our actions. Um, I, I want you to know that this may be a little painful, but how many of you know that often the first step of a journey can be the hardest? You know that, right? It's, it's just getting started, just getting motivated sometimes is tough. Because here's the deal. I want to get in better shape. I, see, there's always, there's always a jerk in the crowd, right? <laughs> I want to get into better shape. I want to exercise more. But I don't want to work through the pain of that first week at the gym. You know what I'm talking about, right? Everybody in the room that has ever experienced, some of you have never seen a gym in your life, and, and I, it's all right. You can hardly tell. Um, but it's hard to get motivated to start the journey towards a goal. And my job today in laying the foundation for this month, the foundation for this series, my job today is to get you motivated to take that first step to living a life that is inside out. That's the goal of this, this series. I want us to take it seriously to say, God, I want to live a life that is inside out. That what's happened to me on the inside will come out of, on, on the outside. I want people to see Christ in me shining through me. And so that is the goal of this. And when I look at my life, when I look at me, I want you to know I see a person that is caring, considerate, compassionate, I see someone, when I look at me, as, as someone who is easy to approach and easy to talk to. But recently, as it has been brought to my attention that others may not see me the way that I see me. That maybe they don't see me as caring and compassionate, considerate. Maybe they don't see me as easy to talk to or approachable. My wife, last weekend, she went down to help cook uh, for fall retreat with our, our youth ministry. And so she went and volunteered for, for you know, a couple of days and, and was helping in the kitchen. And, and one evening she was having a conversation. She came home and she was telling me about this and, and they were having a conversation. And there were some, some girls that were talking to my wife that, that were casually saying that if they were guys, that they would not want to date my daughter because I'm the pastor and that if something happened and they broke up that it would just kind of be, you know, weird and awkward. Um, and then they told her that sometimes Pastor Rocky can be intimidating. And I don't know what they're talking about. I don't see that when I look in the mirror. I don't, a, a matter of fact, there's still moments, and I know this is crazy, but some of you will relate to this. When I look at myself sometimes, I still see a little kid. Yeah, I'm about to be 40, and I still look in the mirror sometimes, and I, I see this little boy. I mean, mentally, you know, intellectually, and sometimes even spiritually. <laughs> I, I look at myself and I, and I see this kid and then all of a sudden I'll do like this and I'll see the gray in my chin and I'll realize you're not a young boy anymore. But I, um, and, and so the way that some people, the, the way that they see me is not necessarily the way that I, I see myself. And I know that perception can be reality. 
I understand that. And so when, when you have that realization, I've come to realize that if I want someone to view me differently, then I must change something about me that gives them the perception that they have of me. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, if I'm coming across intimidating, then there's something that, now listen, on the basketball court, I'm a beast. I'm made to be intimidating on the basketball court. But, but, but in everyday life, if I want someone to view me differently, I have to change something about me so that they don't view me that way. I mean, well, actually, when it comes to dating my daughter, it might not be a bad thing. Intimidating could be a good thing. So let's just, everybody else in the room, I'm going to be nicer. But to all you teenage boys out there, I'm just trying to find where they're all located at. I'm the pinnacle. That means I reign supreme and I'm notorious. I will crush you like a jelly bean. Let's just move on. Sometimes I wonder if we as Christians, if we have a spiritual identity crisis. Because I, I think that we do sometimes. I think we are dealing with a spiritual identity crisis. Is it possible that we see ourselves one way but the world views us as something completely different? There's about four heads in the room that are nodding and the rest of you, conviction has hit you so hard. If I had an altar call right now, you would flood this altar. I know it. And here's what happens. You don't have to search very hard to find out what, really, what people really think about us as Christians. You don't have to look very hard. All that you have to do is to simply open up a, a search engine on your computer and type in the words, why are Christians so? So uh, it, the results are very terrifying, but I want us to do that. We're gonna put up a Yahoo search engine up on the screen and we're gonna type out these words. Look at this. Why are Christians so? And I know it might be hard to see this in the back, but we're just going to leave it up here for a moment. And, and I'm going to tell you what it says. Now, this is unaltered. You go to Yahoo search engine and you type in, why are Christians so? And here's what it says. The suggestions that they give you to search for. Why are Christians so judgmental? Why are Christians so mean? Why are Christians so intolerant? Why are Christians so hateful? Why are Christians so stupid? Why are Christians so self-righteous? Why are Christians so easily offended? Why are Christians so annoying? Why are Christians so arrogant? Why are Christians so close-minded? I don't know if you know how a search engine works, but this is a reality check for us because these search suggestions are based on popular words that people have typed in that they've searched for. So really, this is what the world thinks about us. This is what's popular when people type in, why are Christians so? These are the words, and there's not one positive there. It's all negative. Now, you might think to yourself, well, they're just being judgmental. That's what they called us. They have no right to judge me at all. We're judged by the fruit that we bear. And so we have to be careful at what we are presenting to the world because this is what they think about the us. And if we don't want them to say what they are thinking or, or, or at least to think what they're thinking, then we must not present ourselves in a way to support their opinion. 
I told you this was going to be hard. It's the first step of a journey. This is waking up and going to the gym. This is tough. This is hard for us to hear. But if we're going to go on this journey throughout this month, we've got to come to the realization that we, we are not who we think we are in the world's eyes. There's some here today that you're not a Christian. And I get it. Because very few of us Christians are good at representing the one of whose name we bear. We Christians, we're notorious for eating at restaurants and being the worst customers. We can be the rudest people to our servers. There are some people that I'm just telling you, I don't want to go out to eat with them because of how they act towards a server. They embarrass me. Some people, especially us as Christians, we need to realize that there's a difference between a server and a slave. Nobody deserves to ever be treated like a slave. What if that person is having the worst day of their life? You have no idea what they carried onto that job with them. And the restaurant industry, listen to me, listen close to this. I believe the restaurant industry probably produces the most unbelievers than any other occupation because of the way Christians act when we walk into restaurants. I mean, we don't like to tip. They know that. You know what, what, that, what message that is sending? It's sending the message that we're stingy or we're poor and the world doesn't want to be stingy or poor. We Christians, we like to air out our frustration on Facebook and social media. Instead of actually going and praying about something, we'll put it out there for the world to see and we send the messages that we are impatient with our friends, discontent with our jobs, unhappy in our marriages, disappointed with our children and disrespectful to authority. Why would anybody want to live the way that we live? Our divorce rate is the same as unbelievers. 50% of their marriages fail, 50% of our marriages fail. Why would they wanna be like us? Mahatma Gandhi once said, I like your Christ, but I don't like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. That's painful, church. That's painful because we will justify what we say and what we do, and we will even use Scripture sometimes to back it up. But never does it give us a right to be hateful. Never does it give us a right to look down our nose at someone and to begin judging them. You see, we might have our own egos fooled, but the world sees right through us. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to start reading at verse 13. Matthew 16 and verse 13 says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? I want you to say that phrase with me. But who do you say that I am? Say it again. But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. What he said to them was, what you have just been made privy to, the information that you have just received, what Peter just said about me being the Christ, the Messiah, the one who, who is to come uh, to bring redemption. He said, I don't want you to tell anybody about this. Hold on. The day's coming, but just wait. Now, church, here's what I want to tell you today. Some of us have taken that last verse a little bit too seriously. And I know that's dangerous for me to say. But he meant what he said, but it was for a specific time. You see, you have to understand that what was happening is Jesus was telling his disciples that there was a few things left that he needed to finish, a few things that he needed to accomplish before he would be crucified on a cross to die for the sins of humanity. He realized that there were a few things that he still had to get straight, a few things that, that he had to get in order before that would take place. And so he did not need to be arrested prematurely. And so he was telling them, don't tell anybody yet that, that I am the Christ, that I am the coming Messiah. Just wait on that. Wait, wait just a little bit longer. And then you can tell the world if you want to, but don't let them know this right now because I've got some things that I need to accomplish. But listen to me, church, there are way too many Christians that are still stuck living that verse. We're stuck in that verse. We, we like living our lives in a way that we will profess Christianity, but we won't necessarily always walk it out. Because when we sing, I surrender all, you know what the word all means, right? It's everything. When you say I surrender all, you don't get to choose what you hold back from Christ. It is submitting your will to his. We, we get stuck living that verse because we don't necessarily want to walk out of the doors and, and live that out loud through our actions and lifestyles. We're not telling anybody about the true and the living Christ. We're confessing to be Christians, but sometimes we misrepresent him through our actions. I'll tell you what, what really needs to be the challenge of this month is for us to say less and do more. You see, some of us, man, we're like theologians on the job. We go by, by the water cooler and we can tell people all about the Bible and all about the scripture. But we need to stop talking as much and we need to start doing more. You see, being a part of the kingdom of God is all about action. It's about doing something that's going to make a difference. It's about pointing somebody towards the cross. You can talk about it all day long. But unless you're willing to do something about it with your lifestyle and say, this is what I'm trying to represent. This is what I'm trying to live out. I'm going to say less and I'm going to do more. But I'll tell you the verse that really jumps out here is verse 15 when Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? Just, just play along with me just for a moment. What if you could never say the name of Jesus ever again? What if you could never talk about him ever again? What, what if that was an impossibility? 
Let me, let me ask you this. What if you became mute tomorrow and you never, ever got to say another word again? Could you walk it out to where people would still realize that you're a Christian, a Christ follower by your actions? Could you do that? Because when he looks at his disciples and says words like this, but who do you say that I am? Who, who am I? In your life, who am I? This is the one question that every Christian needs to stop and answer. Who do you say that he is? Because your life right now, it's shouting a message for the world to hear. Your life is screaming loud and clear. And no matter what you believe in or what you stand for, your life is still spreading a message. And it's usually without words. Usually you're not saying anything verbally, but it's everything that you're saying physically. Mark Twain said it like this. He said, actions speak louder than words, but not not nearly as often. Those people who are typing in the, the Yahoo search engine, we're shouting a message to them. We don't like it. We don't like the way they're interpreting it. But we're shouting a message. And, and trust me, I get it. There is a, a, a very loud minority of Christians, and, and I use that term very loosely, that we're being judged by their actions. Because they are hateful. They are bigots. But because they're screaming so loud, often we get judged by that. So, so I just want to reverse this thing. What if we did things and we, we, our, our actions, the things that come forth out of our lives, what if it shouted a message that was even more loud and more clear than what they're saying and it was a message of love and of hope and of forgiveness and mercy and grace? What if that was the message that the church was representing that the majority stood up and said, if you're going to judge me, judge me by these actions, not by a, a loud minority who have no idea what mercy and grace really is. You know, we claim that something has changed inside of us. That at the moment we accepted the salvation of Christ, we claim that there was a change that took place inside of us. And if that's true then that's got to come out. There's two things that changed when I gave my life to Christ. Two things that changed. And Joe, I'm almost done, so come on up here and start playing that kind of music that kind of sets the tone for me to end. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> two things that changed when I gave my life to Christ. The first thing that changed was my character. When I gave my heart to Christ, I didn't... I, I wasn't the same inside because your character is shaped on the inside of you. It's my inward self. It's my attitude. It's my faith. Now, some of you need to really listen because you, you think that you know exactly what I'm talking about, but, but please listen close to what I'm saying. What's happening inside of you when you give your heart to Christ, when, when Christ begins shaping your character, all of that is inside of you. And it, it, it is, it's, it's what's happening with your attitude. It's what's happening with your faith. Now, listen close to me because some of you, you're going you're gonna to... Not, not hear this, it's just going to go right over your head. So listen close. In everything in life, everything in life, everything, your character shines. If it's a good character, it's shouting. 
If it's a bad character, it's screaming. This includes what happens with our government. I am so tired of Christians being the most negative people on the planet. Guys, we're shouting to the world. Listen, when hard times hit, we lose our faith. What we say and how we act, it does not shout faith at all because faith says that no matter how bad it gets, my God can still bring me out on the other side. And we crumble. We have the God of the universe on our side. His son that gave his life for us so that we can live eternally. There is not one worry on this planet that he can't handle. But we shout to the world when hard times hit. My God can't handle it. Why do they want to be like us? Why do they want to be Christians? Really? Can the government really control my life to the point that I can't trust God anymore? Do you really believe that? Some people got terrified with this thing that's happening out in Texas with a mayor that's trying to, to, to take sermons and, and, and review them before pastors can preach them. Let me tell you something. First of all, go read the whole story. Find out everything there is to know about that because I do believe that we need to use wisdom sometimes in how we present the word of God. But, but, listen close to me. Let them come and take my sermons to review them. What if they call me in and it's sitting there in a mayor's office. Now, thank God in Newberry, we have a godly mayor. But, but in a city like that, what they're dealing with in Texas, what if they called them in and you get to explain your sermon to them one-on-one? -on -one? What happens? And the word of God goes forth and doesn't return void is what the Bible says. If I get that opportunity, I'm going to jump at that. It might be ordained by God. We're thinking we're under attack by the Antichrist. My God is just bigger than I've got to have faith to realize that when the world is falling apart, my faith is not. It's my character. And when I gave my heart to Christ, my character changed. I don't think the way that I used to. I'm not negative anymore. I'm living a life. I'm taking steps of faith every day. I'm trusting God more than I ever trusted him before. And tomorrow I'm going to trust him even more than I did yesterday. Because that's my character. My character changes. When your circumstances fail you, your character will shout a message to the world. As Christians, we need to start acting like we serve a God who can. The second thing that changed was my conduct. It's the way that I act. It's my outward self. It's the way that I appear to others. Katie Davis was an 18-year-old senior class president and homecoming queen from Nashville, Tennessee. She disappointed her parents by not going to college. She broke up with the love of her life. She lost all but just a handful of friends because they all thought that she was crazy. She did all of this so that she could move to Uganda. She knew one person in Uganda and did not know the language at all. But upon graduation, 
she left for Uganda. A mission trip during her senior year of high school, it changed her life. And now her life shouts a message. In a book that she wrote, she tells a story of taking a group of children down to the Nile River to be baptized. While they are walking, one of the kids asked her, they call her mom, and they said, Mom, if Jesus comes to live inside my heart, will I explode? What an honest question. Katie replied, no. And really thought to herself, well, that's a strange question. Then the more that she thought about the question as they walked, her mind began to change. So she got the attention of all the children and said, yes. If Jesus comes to live in your heart, you will explode. Because that is exactly what we should do if something has happened on the inside and the Son of God is Lord of our lives, if he has taken up residence inside of us and we have become part of the body of Christ, we will explode with love, with compassion, with faith. Something's got to change. Because what's happened on the inside of us has to come out. We can't hoard it up. We can't keep it any longer. We have got to let it shout a message to the world. And there are people that are watching our lives that they see our response to society. They see our response to tragedy. They see our response to the economy. And they don't want our faith because it looks more like fear than it does faith. And we are never going to reach anyone with a genuine faith if it looks like fear. Luke 6 and 45, Jesus says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Let me ask you this question right now and please be honest with yourself. What is your heart full of right now? Because if every response to trouble and, 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 and if panic sets in, if, if your response is always out of fear, if it's out of anger, if it's out of malice, whatever it is, that's what's happening on the inside. And, and Christ says, I don't want that for you. I've got a different plan for you. And so in this moment right now, you've got to learn to hand that over to him so that you can find some healing. We must allow him to change us from the inside out. This means that we must allow him to heal our broken hearts so that we can preach to the brokenhearted. You see, some of you, that scares you to death when I say you can preach, but your life is preaching a message right now. The way you respond, it's preaching a sermon to, to, to those around you. We must allow him to set us free that, so that we can preach freedom to those who are in captivity. We must allow him to consume us inside so that our life shouts him to the world. And living a life that's inside out, it's not about condemning the world by our words, but it's about saying less and doing more. And for this month, I want us to do that. And Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? When he asked his disciples that, he was getting inside of them. He knew what their answers were going to be. 
He was getting inside of them. He was reprogramming them. He was creating lives that would, that would live from the inside out because they had to represent Christ to the world. And so let me ask you this. What message are you shouting? What are you shouting? What are you screaming out? Because whatever's happening in here is going to be portrayed out there. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. We would love to meet you in person. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org or call the church office at 352-472-3284. Thanks again for listening. Destiny Community Church for life's journey.